Welcome again to the Babbleheads Podcast with Bryson and Corey. <laughs> you can do better. Come on, you can do better. I've heard you do better. <clears throat> Welcome to the Babbleheads Podcast with Bryson and Corey. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back again to the Babbleheads Podcast. Yes, episode 15. Is it really? Yeah. Holy moly. Here, let's celebrate by opening a non-alcoholic beverage. Yes. Whiskey-free mm. podcast this time again. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of the time of day. Yes. And the day of week. No. There's no day of the week you can't drink whiskey. There's no rules. Whiskey doesn't have rules. Apparently. So uh, last time we talked about uh, going deeper into the 3D printing world. Oh my god. Oh boy. Additive manufacture. Yep. So uh, I would say you're definitely uh, more fluent in the... What's the word I'm thinking of? Profession? Perhaps. Trade. Perhaps. Craft. Yes, but also more proficient with the wording nomenclature. Bringing that word back. Did you just say nomenclature? I did. Shout out to Langston. Langy poo. Yeah, so what we were going to discuss actually was um, very boring. So we're going to talk about it in great length. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally. We'll try and keep it upbeat and interesting. <laughs> so, um, what I wanted to talk about was, uh, right now, most everything that most people use 3D printers for is um, PLA plastic. Yep. Um, which is fine. It, um, it It's good for um, fine detail. You know, it has a really nice surface finish to it. You can make it in a lot of different colors, which is great. You can make it transparent translucent um nearly transparent if you know how to finish it properly um there's actually really a lot you can do with it um abs was the most popular uh plastic to start with but it fell out of favor because it you know no big deal or anything but when you use it in your house it releases toxic fumes no fun yeah i mean people don't like toxic fumes in their house very much so nah. abs has sort of fallen out of uh, out of favor i mean you have to have an enclosure to do it safely and you have to ventilate to outside yeah and i think a lot of people pick up a printer now more and more for a hobby yeah so that's not ventilation isn't something that they have or, or even to worry or about. even thinking about for that matter true um so abs is uh abs is sort of I mean, it's something I could print in if I really wanted to, but I just, I just sort of choose to avoid it. What does ABS stand for? Uh, Alphabutyl sulfate. I don't know, something like that. Nice. Do you actually know, or are you just? No, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't it's know. horrible. It's referred to ABS, PLA, all these. Oh, things. PLA is polylactic acid. There you go. That I do know. Nice. <clears throat> Boom! Drop some science terms up in this podcast. Science. That's some science. That's chemistry, which is a, which is a science. Yes. Mm. Yes. All right. So, <clears throat> primarily right now I print in PLA, um, because it's easy to use and it's very readily available for a really good price. Um, it allows me to charge a lot less 
for the stuff that I'm doing. Yeah, and Amazon even has their own line. That's how common it is nowadays. Yeah, Amazon Basics has PLA. Yeah. And ABS, actually, for that matter. Really? And PETG. Wow. <clears throat> which I was about to get into. So I do have some PETG, which I also print in. Um, PETG is good for a few things. It, um, it, it has a higher temperature... Um, uh, what's called a, gla- a glass transition temperature than PLA. So that's the biggest weak point of PLA. So PLA is good for making pretty little prints that you leave on a shelf. And it can do some functional prints as long as they're not like mechanically active. Um, anything outside of that, though, it kind of sucks. And it's brittle and it likes to break. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where PETG comes in. It's sort of more like ABS where it's a little bit tougher, um, but it doesn't have the fumes that ABS has, <clears throat> which is awesome. It, it has a slightly lower glass transition temperature than ABS, but the, the beauty of it is is it's right on the cusp of what you can use in a car interior in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> if I were to print a piece for your car, for the inside of your car, like a whatever, a badge or a decoration or a cup holder or something um, in PLA, and you put it in your car in July, when you're done... It's not going to be a cup holder anymore. No. It's going to be like a very sad, molten, like, <laughs> like <clears throat> picture like uh, the Terminator when his face is like coming off. Yep. That, that's what it would look like. And so PETG comes in and with a higher glass transition temperature, which not to get too technical, but glass transition is the point at which plastic becomes malleable. Mm-hmm. So... Um, with a higher glass transition temperature, the PETG is better for that type of stuff. And everything I've done so far in PETG has survived, <clears throat> but it's still borderline. So that brings me to the new stuff that I'm going to start doing. So right now I have upgrades going into the printers um, for all metal. Um, mm. That sounds really awesome. All metal. All metal hot end. <clears throat> so basically... Um, when you get in most 3D printers, uh, they have what's called a PTFE tubing, which is a Teflon-based tubing that runs all the way down to the nozzle. And the nozzle in the 3D printer is pretty hot. So in PLA, I print at 200 degrees Celsius. Which is very fun to touch. Not that I've ever accidentally brushed up against the hot yeah. end. <clears throat> it's like 480, I think, degrees Fahrenheit, something like that. Um, but uh, either way... Here's the issue with PTFE tubing. So other materials other than PLA print hotter because they're, you know, they have a higher glass transition and they need to be hotter in order to melt. So um, I want to get into some stronger, tougher, more awesome materials. But uh, with PTFE tubing, you have a limit. PTFE tubing uh, at about 100 or sorry, 240 degrees Celsius um, starts to break down. And I don't know if you've heard uh, what happens with a Teflon pan. If you scratch it and then turn it up too hot? Nope. Never heard about this. Nope. Okay, so I'm going to learn you. <clears throat> so, um, if you have a bird that lives in your house, mm-hmm. and you have a Teflon pan, and it's got scratches in it, <clears throat> and then you overheat the pan, meaning put it on high with nothing in it, mm-hmm. um, and it burns, which will happen at 240-ish degrees Celsius, so if the pan gets to about 500 degrees-ish, It'll release gas <clears throat> from the PTF or from the Teflon into the air, and the bird will die. Wow! Sure, that's great for everybody in the home. <laughs> it's extremely, extremely toxic to birds. 
Um, and I think other things too, but mostly birds. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what happens. So if you heat your hot end up, which has a PTFE tube going to the nozzle to 240 degrees C, bird death. All right. So I'm going to take a second and uh, step it back here and break it down for the layman. The printer has a spool <laughs> of a material, which then Sorry. gets fed into a piece that moves x y and z up and down and then left left right right, back and forward exactly generally the forward and back is handled by the bed which moves that depends on the printer exactly so this stuff is fed into this tubing traditionally and if you have to heat that material up because that part heats up as well if you have to heat that tubing up to meet the material which is a filament it's no bueno yeah basically it has to be really hot in order to melt the filament to make the part yes and once you get over 240 degrees c you kill your bird exactly so what i have invested in is all metal hot ends for for uh, all the machines so that um it replaces the tubing which goes down to the nozzle with metal it's a metal heat break that goes all the way down to the nozzle um, and then the, you still have the PTFE tubing, but it's so much higher up and it's past what's called the cold zone, mm-hmm. um, which means that that temperature, even if the nozzle is, you know, 280 to 300 degrees Celsius, that PTFE tubing is not going to get close to that 240 danger zone. Yeah. <clears throat> and so another thing for the layman is that the reason that this all needs to heat up is the filament actually gets melted, fed through, and it's, well... It's not a liquid form. Oh, and as a caveat, we are talking about FDM printing. Yes, There's FDM. a ton of different printers. FDM is what we're specifically yeah. referring to. So then it comes out in a pretty much a liquid form and goes around, yeah. and then it hardens, and by the time it comes, it can build upon itself. Exactly. Thus, the term additive manufacturing. So it builds itself as it goes versus, boom, it's just there. Exactly. So, um, as I was saying, so I will have converted both of the printers that are right here on the desk. They're going to be printed, uh, printing with all metal hot ends. The mm-hmm. one that already has one. So what <clears throat> material are you hoping to run through it? So there are a couple of materials that I'm eyeballing right now that I'm going to probably get a couple rolls of. So one that I'm going to be definitely purchasing is nylon, hmm. uh, which is really cool. Um, it's basically the same plastic that they make roller blade and roller skate wheels out of. Very cool. <clears throat> and that is extremely um, good for functional parts. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and also, I'm probably going to pick up a roll of um, Nylon uh, X Carbon, hmm. which has carbon fiber um, in the in the filament. Mm-hmm. And it uses the carbon fiber fibers to reinforce the nylon, yeah. which is pretty neat. And also, something I think it would be really cool to try printing in is PC, polycarbonate. Which is the same stuff they make eyeglasses out of. Eyeglass lenses. Interesting. But that, I have to be able to get up to 280 degrees C. <clears throat> and then I have to get my bed up to temperature, which um, is a whole other problem in and of itself. Um, but I do have the AC heated bed on the one machine that mm-hmm. will allow me to crank that bad boy up to, a 200, to 120 degrees Celsius. So that's some stuff you're hoping to work towards. But yes. I think, you know... First of all, anyone who has never seen this type of printing before is going to be impressed. But for me, you know, I've been around it. It's still, it always blows my mind when I see it. Like, it's never like, well, that's done, move on. It's always like, man, that's really cool. 
I don't know if now that you've printed a lot more, it kind of gets a little bit more mundane. I wouldn't say mundane, but I am way more hypercritical of what I make. True. So I originally when I first got into the hobby, I was making stuff and like, oh my God, this is so amazing. It's so cool. And then I started to, uh, you know, engineer myself. I can't get away from that part of my personality. Constant improvement. Yeah. So now my prints are like probably 10 times better. I would definitely say so, especially, I mean, with, on the business side of things, those lithographs that you made. Lithophane. Lithophane. Yes. yes. Uh, the lithophane now is, I mean, before it was awesome. Now it's like night and day. Yeah, it's been a long road going to, to get it to the point that it is a lot of testing, a lot of trial and error, a lot of wasted time. Because the prints um, with those lithophanes, which are, for anybody who doesn't know, um, they're like photographs printed in plastic uh, using depth. Uh, so the depth of the of the plastic creates <clears throat> an illusion that allows light to pass through and creates the photograph. Yeah. But it definitely paid off all your hard work and everything. So I, I definitely appreciate it because I look at it, I'm like, I can see the before and the after. Right. You know, so I'll probably be buying another one of my dog pretty soon well i can just replace the photo that's in your frame that works out as well but so it was kind of segueing into you're doing these things to add even more materials yes but you already have two really cool materials on top of normal pla one is pla with the wood grain and one's the flexible oh i have to show you this i want your reaction to be captured on this podcast okay we won't see it visually but as you slap these things around listen to this people this is the sound of work being done yes he is uh opening up his containers full of rolls upon rolls of filament (laughs) yeah so um in order to keep the the plastic in tip-top shape i keep it in a sealed container which is weather weather stripped with uh, desiccant, which keeps it dry. So what I'm showing you right now is what I think is like probably the best flexible filament on the market right now. And I just want to get your reaction because what flexible filament is for everyone who's listening at home is a filament of plastic that's incredibly flexible, like incredibly flexible so here we go he's gonna he's gonna play with it so for those listening if you've ever placed a screen and a screen door it feels like spline yeah it's that spline wow that is nuts and it's got a little bit of texture to help feed wow it's not gonna break i can't wait to see some of this printed so that's what's really cool i mean you know, I think what it opens up is a lot of people would get this and they may make like a little miniature, you know, that's nice because you can squeeze almost like a, not a plushie, but the same idea. Like yeah. I remember in your other filament, you printed uh, octopus. Yes, that was, was kind of cool. That This is also, I mean, it's really the same material. It's just a different, um, what's called shore hardness. Mm-hmm. So that was like, I think a 70 shore hardness and this is like a 65. Nice. So it, it. It, it almost feels like cloth. Does it come in any different colors? Tons. Tons and tons and tons. So you just did black just because? I did black because... Okay, so I wasn't planning on buying Ninja Flex right away um, uh-huh. because I already have a set of flexible filament. Um, but uh, 
I was perusing the Amazon as mm-hmm. one does. And um, Ninja Flex is pretty expensive. It's um, it's not as much as like some of the other filaments I was talking about, like nylon carbon and all that. Um, but uh, for filament, as filament goes anyway, this is pretty expensive. So you buy them by the half a kilogram rolls, which is half the size you normally buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and a normal, to put it in perspective, a, a, a cheaper end um, PLA filament is between 16 and $20 for a kilogram. Um, and a higher end can range anywhere from, you know, 30 to like 50 for PLA. Yeah. Ninja Flex <clears throat> starts at a half a kilogram at about 25 to $30 for mm-hmm. a half a kilogram. So it's about 50 to $70 a roll for a full kilogram. This was on Amazon, half a kilogram roll for $12. Ah. So I, I mean, how does one say no when something is half off? Yeah, so what's cool and what I was trying to get to is that it opens up a lot of things for, I guess, engineering, you know? Yeah, so here's an example of NinjaFlex, well, off-brand NinjaFlex in this case, we use TPU, um, being put into action in an engineering process. So we have, at my actual work, not Mm -hmm. my home business, we have a lot of CNCs. We have, like, dozens Yep. Um, and we have a couple of them where we needed some pods. And in case anybody needs to know what that is, is a vacuum pod is basically just a little, you know, four inch by four inch piece of equipment that hooks up to a CNC machine and allows you to suck material down onto the surface so it doesn't jump around. Mm-hmm. So we needed a new pod. New pods are very expensive. Um, depending on the CNC machine, they can be hundreds and sometimes even thousands of dollars. Um, in this particular case, it was a, it was a, it was a couple hundred dollars for the complete mm-hmm. vacuum pot assembly. So instead, we took one, uh, reverse engineered it, um, printed it in um, PETG for the housing, and we did um, TPU Ninja Flex style gaskets on the top to create the ceiling surface, and um, we put them into production, and they work. That's great. I remember we had done something similar with my first Tool printer. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, my first printer was a very entry level thing, but it was kind of cool to see it working on a uh, machine at a commercial place, you know, not some small scale thing. And that's, I think that's where you're going to see. And that see, was a $200 hobbyist printer. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see a lot of that. I feel, you know, you're looking at maintenance departments. Yeah. I think you're going to see more and more companies start, maybe they start putting the models of whatever, like that thing put it on there and be like here 100 bucks you own the model for this and you can print it maybe even 50 because uh, i feel we're going to get to the point where or you just have an engineering department and we do it for you because we're nice guys like that true but i think that um you know that's kind of going to be the future probably true you know for a lot of these things um that's one of the reasons why i'm really excited to get into nylon especially mm-hmm. and polycarbonate too but nylon specifically because it's very durable yeah um, and, uh, the beauty of that is I can actually use it for stuff. Like I can make very functional components for things that I actually need. Yeah. It's incredible when you look at things like plastic and you hold it in your hand, you're like, wow, this is pretty durable. You know, you might try and scratch it and it doesn't really scratch, but then that part in a certain function might deteriorate really quickly mm. because if you were to actually take that same piece of plastic and take your fingernail and scratch at the same spot a hundred times, a thousand times, 
even more than that, it's going to start wearing down. Yeah, imagine like in the use case of like a gear. Yeah. Uh, a gear has, however, say you have an eight tooth gear. That means it's got 16 individual surfaces that actually take torque. Yeah. Um, and that and how many times does, depending on the RPM of the gear, if you've got a, a gear that's spinning at 30 revolutions per minute times, if it's going in one direction, times eight uh, is two, 240 uh, impacts per rotation per minute. So it doesn't take very long. Even at 30 RPM, which is like really, really slow, yeah. uh, it doesn't take very long for a gear to have thousands and thousands and thousands of impacts. So if you have a plastic that is easily worn down, I mean, forget about it. It's yeah. done. Well, I mean, we're looking at this flexible filament. You used it for a stamp for your I products, did. which was really cool. And I'm thinking, you know, I could see where you print in PLA the handle for a screw driver yeah you know with that thing and then you could print that in pla and have the slots for the flexible filament and you just glue the flexible filament pods in there so that's what i that's what i originally designed that is is it has a the handle has a screw um end on it and it just screws into the base okay i think we're good but yeah so (laughs) That was, you yeah. know, the combination of that, the material. That was designed that was designed specifically so that I could sell it to people. If they yeah. asked me, hey, can you make me a stamp that has my logo on it and says yeah. thank you or says whatever, it could say, go bite a dong. It doesn't matter. I can make yeah. it say whatever you want it to say. Yeah. And I mean, I know you're looking more to make it a com- more commercial products. Absolutely. You know, and I, I don't know if that's the right term, but you're looking for something where it's the bread and butter of the business. Right. I'm still know? searching a little bit. So the lithophanes are great. Um, they, they're they a little time consuming, but they're really cool. Yeah. I really think at some point, because you're offering a really great deal on them now, I think as you grow, you might see that price go up a little bit. Maybe. Uh, I do have the problem where I have to compete with Etsy sellers and stuff like yeah, that. And I don't want to overcharge. Um, I think some of the other stuff I definitely charge too little. Um, yeah. But. It's a part of growing. And, you know, what's, I guess, nice about this is it's relatively low risk. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've invested a lot of money in the machinery, but you still have that machinery. Yeah. You know, the material itself, you know, you you made money on it. Whether or not it's as much as you should have. Right. It's not like you were losing money on it. No, no, definitely not. You know, maybe I think what a lot of people don't realize is the time factor of it. And well, that's, that's, that's something that's that we tried to explain yeah. while we were there at the show. Like, you know, uh, we really appreciate the order. Just so you know, it's going to be a two to three week lead time because yeah. this photo that you want me to print is going to take a machine 13 to 14 hours to yes. complete and i think that is something you can there's a couple ways to solve it you can get more printers but mm-hmm. that's more money so it's it's that's where you kind of get into uh, the issue with the business expansion is that you the more business you have the more more stuff i need exactly yeah you know it's and maybe i hope that is the only problem you have because that's a good problem to have for sure so right now it's based out of my you know 
my room, my work, the, my yes. my simple workshop adjacent to my home, which happened to also be a podcast studio at one point. At one point, and is now home to uh, Babbleheads 2.0 rebooted, awesome. Yes, and uh, it uh, it is already starting to take over the room. Um, yes, it, yes, it's gonna if it keeps growing at the rate that it's growing, it'll be too big for this office pretty quickly. Yep. Which, again, is both a good and a bad problem. I mean, I wouldn't be all that mad if I had to uh, go out and rent a retail space and hire somebody to man the machines while I'm not there. That would be really cool. That'd be an awesome problem to have. Yeah. And I think, (laughs) you know, it offers a lot more opportunities. You know, who knows? Maybe someday that's your business. That's all you do. You never know. No, it can't possibly be because I'm going to be busy doing this podcast, though. Exactly. This is part of it. I mean, not part of the business, but part of... Part of the empire. Yes. The Corey and Bryson or Bryson and Corey partnership. Mm. That doesn't sound right. Partnership's not the word I want. No, that makes us sound like we um, do do peepee touch. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, but, but that's not, not that's us. not us. No. Um perhaps the enterprise is uh the enterprise. Collaboration. That's the word I'm looking for. How about uh incorporation? Collab. We collab. So what are that's we going to all the kids are What are saying? we going to call it? Oh wait, we already decided what we're going to call it. Yes, we did. Should we announce on the Babbleheads podcast what the name of the company is that we are beginning together to create things? Absolutely. I think we've actually already said it. Probably. On the podcast. It is known as Babble Babble Tree. So we like uh, the Babbleheads podcast because it was our first true collaboration. So in the spirit, we figured... Why not roll with the Babel part of it? And uh, Babel Tree can kind of serve as the umbrella. Yes, it'll be Babel Tree Productions slash Babel Tree Manufacturing slash Babel Tree Games. Yes, because, I mean, we made your son that table. We so did. we did some woodworking underneath the Babel Tree Productions umbrella. <laughs> I really like that word, apparently, because I can't think of anything. Parasol. Parasol. <laughs> I yes, uh, Mister Insur- like, uh, Insurance Agent. I would really like to purchase a parasol insurance, please. Please. <laughs> Why well, yes, sir? Would you like high coverage or low coverage? Well, it's quite sunny, so I'm going to need quite the heavy duty parasol. We provide coverage between the hours of ten and eight p.m. <laughs> this is this bit is just not going anywhere. No, no. But is that's it? okay. That's that's our humor. Sometimes it works. Most of the times it doesn't, <laughs> but that's all right. Mm. So yeah, I'm your business. It, it's interesting, you know. I don't think there are definitely. It's not companies using 3D printing is not something new, but I think you're right on the cusp of where you want to be in the industry, if yeah. that makes sense. You know, it's still growing. It's established enough that it's not a high risk endeavor, but there's so much new to it all yeah there's always something new and i think that you can really carve out your niche in the market the niche yes at this point and you know it's different you know 
I'm afraid to say it, but at some point it's going to be like now whenever you go to any craft fair or any grouping of vendors, it's generally 10 different things, but every scattered everywhere. Everybody does this or everybody does that. I'm not saying that's going to happen soon. Somebody's making, you're talking, you're talking now or in the future? I'm saying in like 10, 20 years, you're going to see a lot more 3D printed Oh yeah, I'm sure. Stuff. So that's why you're getting in before it gets a lot more to the hobbyist who then turns it into their profession. Yeah, and there are some hobbyist machines out there that are a little bit more reliable, but at the end of the day, the right now the barrier to entry is you have to know how to work on the machines yeah i mean so first it started off as people who the hobbyists were i'm learning how to build them right from scratch and then those people took that and were like okay now i'm gonna make a business selling these that i built prusa being a prime example of this so that was kind of that if you were to go and you're like hey i'm gonna make my own 3d printer it's not gonna probably work out as well nowadays yeah not as good as the machines that are a little bit more but now that they're getting in the hands of more hobbyists you have the chance of being this is a viable option for a business using these you have to learn how to use the printer itself now that's the next what i'm looking forward to is the um dmls type printers becoming uh mainstream in the same way that fdm became mainstream so i'm going to break this down because i think this is a really interesting topic so um, FDM printers 10 years ago, we'll say 10 mm-hmm. years ago were essentially not existent. They, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they existed and companies used them, big companies because they oh. were expensive. You could, the cheapest you could have got 10 years ago was probably like 25 or $30,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rep rep movement happened, which is what you were talking about. Yep. Um, where people started building their own using, really cheap materials, cheap stepper motors, and they would they figured out how to create their own um, firmware that ran on an Arduino, which is a little mini computer that runs the whole machine, and they figured it all out. Yep. Um, and they were able to create machines that now knocked the price of those $25,000 machines down to $10,000. And then the next thing you know, a machine that would have cost you $25,000 was only going to cost you $2,000. Yep. And now I just bought a machine that prints probably 20 times larger than that $25,000 machine did 10 years ago. Yep. And it cost 500 bucks, a little over. And um, I'm looking forward to the same thing happening to the DMLS market. So FDM, as we talked about before, stands for Fused Deposition Modeling. It's using plastic and it moves the nozzle around and it spits out a little plastic as it goes and makes a model. Um the one that I'm really looking forward to is DMLS, which is direct metal laser sintering. Okay. So yeah, I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so DMLS um, uses a big giant vat of powder. So right now that type of technology is being used in aerospace um, pretty heavily. Um, there's DMLS printed parts in space right now, which is pretty cool. Um, and Boeing uses it in the production of the 747 right now as well. Nice. Um, and it basically uses lasers to weld the powder together and create what looks like a cast part, but is much, much stronger. It's actually closer to the strength of forged, but lighter. Hmm. So it's amazing is what it is. It's actually genuinely amazing. Mm-hmm. And you can use aluminum powder, which is pretty actually reasonable to get. 
And But what aircraft people are using is titanium powder. So they're literally 3D printing titanium parts. Yeah. Which is so freaking cool. So those machines, I mean, rock bottom basement price right now is like $95,000. Yeah. So I'm waiting for the for the rep rep movement for the DMLS to hit and yeah. where I can have a uh, titanium printer in my garage that only cost me like four grand. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Well, I think the other thing is if you compare 3D printing to actual printing and then to uh, something like CNC's, I mean, they all kind of follow that same model. Downwards trajectory, baby. Yeah, I mean... Technology I think the never time goes up getting, unless it's made by Apple. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> we just add more of the same thing, and that's definitely new. But, um, so if you look at printing, I mean, way back when, it was the printing press was the big thing. And then you oh, move... Good old Gutenberg. Yeah, and then Gutenberg. you move all the way, and how long it took to get, like, actual printing in the home? Yeah. Forever. Yeah, that's because, true. So the Gutenberg invented the printing press in, what, like the 1600s or something? Yeah, and I guess... Can you really compare that? Yes, because to you can. a printer, you can. But it's it's exponential growth at this point. Yeah. So I mean, you got to remember that technology doesn't follow a line. Yeah. When it when it increases technology, because it's compounding, because technology increases the ability to create new technology, which increases the precision of the new technology and increases mm-hmm. the effectiveness of it. So technology is unique in the regard that better technology creates better technology and creates an exponential curve of growth yeah but the weird thing and i guess actually what's weird with all of this stuff is none of it would exist without computers true i mean maybe very basic cnc and uh well they did used to exist without computers but you have to program it by line by line and then it's still its own computer here's the ironic thing is cnc obviously cannot exist without computers because it's com- computer numerically controlled that's yes. what cnc means yes so <laughs> i think that but what if you look at printing you know you went from let's say we start at when computers came around it was all black and white very very simplified right and then there were people all oh, color printing and they were astronomical in price color tvs and all that stuff and then now Look how much cheaper it is just because of how they do it and how fast they yeah, do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that applies to everything. I mean, look at when flat... Remember when flat screen TVs first came out? Back yeah. when we used to have a box behind our screens. Yeah. And flat screens came out. They were still pretty thick. Yeah. They were thick like with two Cs. Yeah. And... And they were like eight grand. Yeah. But then you look at CNCs and now, I mean, more and more hobbyist woodworkers are able to get CNCs. You know, and that... It's kind of... Actually, I was looking into maybe building cnc in my basement we've talked about that before yeah um there's a there's a great little company called v1 engineering is that the pendulum like one no so much better than the pendulum one so they have two different versions one is called the mostly printed cnc mm-hmm. which um they make all of the files freely available and you print them on your 3d printer and you have to buy um conduit like electrical conduit mm-hmm. and uh, a few other different fittings and you have to buy a router you know yep. like an end mill um, and for either of those, they mount on like a table. Yep. So the one that I really like is called the low rider and it, you create a lip on the edge of your table and the table can be as long as you want it to be. Yep. 
So I can make in my basement like a 10 foot long table and I can have a, a five foot by 10 foot CNC in my basement. Yeah. And it would only cost me. I did the, did all the calculations. I think I actually calculated it four by eight because I wanted to be able to mill a four by eight sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, it will cost me about 800 bucks. It's not too bad. <laughs> I mean, granted, you have to have the CNC. Uh, not the CNC. You have to have the 3D printer. But well, I mean, you can also buy the part. They sell the parts printed, yeah. so I think that increases the cost by another $200. Yeah, but it's crazy because that, that again, is another thing where hobbyists were able to get their hands on something. And it's all based on the exact yeah. same technology. So that CNC machine runs on an Arduino just the way that most mm-hmm. 3D printers do. So I, it always has that trickle-down effect. For sure. You know, where at first it's a lot more... I. What's the learned... I, um, experience. So you got to take somebody who's got, you know, a lot of experience programming or is willing to dig into that. Yeah. To make it and solder things, and then it eventually gets to the people who are perhaps a little bit more artistic or intuitive or just business like. That's when you'll see these things start to skyrocket. Because at first it starts a couple people in the garage who are just a really smart. Like, there's kids now who are making their own 3D printers as a project for school. Yeah. I mean, um, crazy. It reminds me, actually, I was requested by a friend of mine who knows that I'm privy to this type of thing. He asked me, he said, listen, I've got a plasma cutter, like a plasma torch that I bought that I was hoping I could try and mount to, like, a carriage and make a plasma cutter table, like a CNC table. He's like, is that something you could do? I'm like, Totally. Let's do it. He never got back to me. But um, I I was on the internet, as one is, Mm -hmm. and I found there's a company doing it. Um, The exact exact thing that I had um, proposed to him, Mm -hmm. which was basically that um, CNC, the um, mostly printed CNC. But I was going to custom design a um, bracket mount for the plasma cutter and have it have an on-off switch built into that controlled by the Arduino. Um, very doable, but this company's doing it and all said and done with the plasma cutter and the table and everything, it was like $3,500. Yeah. And I think the thing is that, and how cool would that be? I mean, that's first something thing I wouldn't mind I, having in my yeah, garage. The first thing I think of is obviously whenever you do anything like this, that's like a homebrew hobbyist thing, it has some inherent risk. <laughs> like it sounds, sounds like this. Whoosh. Crackle, crackle, crackle. Yeah. So, for instance, <laughs> the fire extinguishers right here. Yeah, if you have <laughs> a CNC you've created that you literally just put a router on it and you turn it on and then it goes. There's no, oh no, the thing's not working. Turn off the router. It's gonna just keep spinning. Yes. So, I think that's part of it. But again, it's that step where people have to kind of understand that. You really need to be intimately familiar with these things to know, one, how they work, but also how to know they to work them safely. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's horror stories of, well, there is, of like my first 3D printer where people burn their house down. Whoosh, crackle, crackle. Because <laughs> they left it alone. And it's like, that's, that. no, I wouldn't even leave your printers alone. I do. Yeah. I mean, I mean you still took some steps to... Make it a little bit safer. For sure. Both print, both of the printers that I leave running have uh, Meanwhile UL listed power supplies. And 
and you also have webcams on them yes. with a remote on-off switch. Actually, the remote on-off switch is no more. Both of them are controlled by a remote server. See, so I think you know it's you got to take the steps to make it safe because these things are extremely, extremely hot. Now, I'm not saying your stuff isn't. It's like leaving your oven on when you're not home. Yeah, basically, like. Yeah, it's probably all right. It's going to be expensive, and it's going to smell like gas when you open that thing up. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. What time is it? 6.57. All right. We got another 15.20 to do. Okay. All right. So when do we break? So, yeah, that pretty much, uh, I think... That's an exhaustive uh, lesson on uh, 3D printing, CNC's, a lot of stuff. We didn't get into SLA or DIP or SLA. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff and a lot of lingo for people. Yeah, well, you know, we might have to put a disclaimer on this episode and and just say, hey, listen, everyone, get it, get it? Uh everyone Uh, yeah i got it (laughs) this is a this is a podcast only for people who are wicked huge nerds and want to learn all about wicked huge nerd stuff yeah hang around and learn the nerdness so i know you've already done a lot of talking this episode but i'd like you to talk a little bit more (laughs) we're gonna talk about fitness oh you mean like how i just got done fitting this whole pizza in my mouth no no you didn't do that so, our first episode ever of Babbleheads was talking about CrossFit. Indeed. Which is something you did for two, three months. Yeah, uh, yeah. Have you been back? No. Why is that? I hurt myself. Mm-hmm. So, I would like to point out to everyone that I have nothing against CrossFit. I actually love CrossFit if you do it at the right place. And I'm not saying Bryson wasn't at the right place. However, he was doing things that a man of his size should not be doing. Like jumping up and down repeatedly or jumping up onto a box repeatedly. When you weigh, at the time, 350-ish? I wasn't even going to say the weight. but So if you weigh 350 pounds, when you're just running... I don't got to hide it, man. It's hard to hide it. (laughs) When you're just running, like going for a jog... Each the impact in each foot is two and a half times your body weight. Goodness gracious. That's just running. Now imagine jumping with both feet. With both feet. Yeah, actually in this particular case where I actually hurt myself, I was doing what's uh, called assisted pull-ups. Yep, so, so you jump I had to one lift knee in, one knee in a big giant rubber band. Yep. And I was using the other leg, my left leg, um, to go come back down onto and then push myself back up. Basically. So you're putting it all on one leg. All uh, of that impact. That band can probably lift 50 pounds. Yeah. So essentially, I did that one day and then I did it again two days later. So here's the thing. I'm no expert, but from experience being a bigger guy when i'd go back to crossfit and i couldn't go back because i hurt myself 90 percent of the time it's because of something with my legs 
and it's not usually my knee. It's usually, I did a hundred jump ropes the day before and now I can't walk. Or I went and ran a bunch. And it comes to the fact that when you're our size, there's things you got to do differently. And that's just, that's just the thing. Well, it, uh, it put my CrossFit career to a pretty quick abrupt end when I ended up having to go to a specialist. And then he told me, yeah, how about instead of CrossFit, you go and see a physical therapist? Because if you don't fix this, you're going to need surgery. Yeah, that's no fun. And I was like, oh, oh man. And uh, here's a fun fact. I went to physical therapy for three months mm-hmm. and uh, it helped a little. It didn't help a lot. The doctor basically told me that um, it would take six months or more to heal properly. Yeah. And uh, I, I ran out of money to go to the physical therapy. So um, I stopped going to physical mm-hmm. therapy and because uh, of America and all that good stuff that comes along with it. And um, yeah, it's been almost a year. Actually, it probably has been pretty much a year. Yep. Uh, maybe 10 months. Probably ten months yep. since I had the the injury, and uh, guess what? It hurts every single day still. Yeah. So I've been trying to do something to get mm. back at it because for me, you know, having been able to do all of those things like pull ups unassisted, it's very hard for me to be like, oh, I I can't do that. That's just not the guy I am. If somebody's next to me doing jump rope. I'm not going to be like, I can't, I can't do jump rope. I'll hurt myself. I'm like, damn right. I'm going to do jump rope. Give me that rope. So I've been doing a lot of walking. And the problem with you now is you can't even walk. Yeah. Not, not successfully for a very long period of time. So I think we should try it. So here's a fun fact. I went all Joe Rogan on myself. Uh huh. I've been, I've been helping out my ankle pretty significantly. By rubbing on it some CBD. Oh, yeah? Yes. Did you get it from the craft fair? I did. See, I went over to talk to him about it, and the woman was extremely rude. Like, I was asking, like, hey, you know, I just, just asking, like, hey, I've heard that sometimes this shows up on tests and stuff, or drug tests, you know, what's that? And you could tell, like, one was saying, no, definitely doesn't show up, and the other's face is like, shouldn't be saying that because sometimes it does and we could get sued right so like that made me a little there is absolutely and what they you know you can try and sell it however you want to sell it but um at the end of the day it's still the same plant yeah that um that produces the drug marijuana and it's just different varieties of the same plant that create higher levels of one chemical or the other for those of you who didn't know, there's lots of chemicals in marijuana. One of them is THC, which is the one that gets you high. Yeah, and then and which is the one they're looking for on drug tests. Right. And there's C- the other um, uh, main chemical is CBD, um, Yep. Um, and um, they have been shown to have potentially have some pretty good anti-inflammatory effects on Absolutely. the body. Um, so uh, there's no way to, at least right now, as far as I know, there's no way to completely separate one from the other yeah so when they make a, a can of cannabinoid cbd cbd uh salve or lip balm or whatever it is that they're making 
there is trace amounts of THC in it, no yeah. matter what they do. Um, you know, in its purest form, it's like 99.9% CBD, but there's still the 0.1% THC. It's not going to get you high, but it is Certain there. tests, it'll show up. It could potentially. Um, but either way, I don't care about that. I'm not worried about that, but um, I've been rubbing it Especially on my Especially when you're rubbing it on your skin. I'm sure that's different yeah, than not, like taking the drops. Right. I'm not taking the drops or pills or anything. I'm just rubbing a salve on my on my ankle and um it has actually genuinely helped yeah well i i, I honestly I think shocked. it does and i think it is a great product and i wish it was a little bit more understood but my thing is i went over to talk to him about it and like the well, woman you were was probably very, asking all the wrong questions that yeah, they don't want to answer i get it but i'm like before i do anything i want to know kind of what's going on and they're supposed to be the experts yeah so if you're going to a craft fair and selling this stuff and you're going to get a lot of people, CBD, isn't that pot? <laughs> you well, should be able to you defend get, it. You should look them right in the eye and go, yep. Yeah. But, not, it's, but it's not the same pot you're thinking of. Yeah, but you should be able to defend it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just that simple. Like, if somebody asks you about one of your products, you could definitely defend it because you know most of or, it. Or condemn it, depending yeah, on <laughs> exactly. what it is. So. I asked all these questions, and I was seriously going to buy something. I was. And then the woman says, you get back to your side of the tent. And I'm like, okay, you just lost a sale. There's six other CBD sellers here. And there were. And that goes back to our conversation earlier about, like, one person will do it, and then everybody does it. Yeah. But yeah, so I've been trying to walk. I'm waiting a to see how more. many other 3D printers start popping up at the craft fairs yeah. in our area because I think I made a pretty good impression. Oh yeah, I mean, pretty good impression. Everybody, when every time I went by the tent, there was a line of people at least looking at it. Yeah, you know. But uh, I've been trying to walk more. Um, I walk five to six miles on Sunday. Woof. Yeah, and then yesterday I walked 12 miles. You went on a full-fledged expedition by foot. It was an adventure. And I tell you what, by mile six or seven, I had realized the mistake I'd made. (laughs) Woof. Like, when you're driving somewhere, it goes by real quick. It goes 60 miles an hour, six minutes. When you're walking, it's like... About three miles an hour, approximately. Yeah. It's like, wow. That means (laughs) that it takes you two hours to go six miles instead of six minutes. Yeah. So the walk took us just about five hours. For 13 miles, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I made the commitment to myself that if it was soreness or anything like that, I wasn't going to stop. Because, of course, you're going to be sore. Yeah. Right? But if ever, like, my knee started to act funky or it was painful, I'd stop. Well, at about eight miles, I knew that it was going to happen. You know, I had planned to walk a lot longer, and I had a friend, Steve, with me who uh, I felt bad because he had canceled his plans for the day. Shout out to Steve. Yeah, thank you, Steve. He might actually listen because we talked about the podcast. And we Well, were... when you're walking 13 miles for five hours, you have a lot of time to talk. Yeah, so we... You should have recorded it. We recorded parts of it. Not on the walk. I recorded the trip to start the walk, and then the plan was to record the trip back, but... There we was never no made trip it. back. No, 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 no. My mom had to come pick me up because I'm like, listen, I can't take another step. But I will say, so I'm not bringing it up to be like, ooh, I walked 12 miles because it was pretty awesome. I 
didn't think it was awesome at the time because I wanted to go like 20, but whatever. But I bought shoes and I went in and I'm like, I don't care what they look like. I don't care how much they cost. I need good shoes because I've been in this situation probably not as bad as you have where it's I wake up in the morning and it feels like I'm walking on glass. Yeah. And you have to just kind of stand there and like pray that it goes away so you can take another step. Yeah, for me, it's more like um, my feet don't hurt that bad anymore ever since I uh, delved into, like you said, good yeah. shoes and good orth- I actually have prescription orthotics, which at first really suck. Yeah. And then once you your feet get adjusted to them, they make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. My and whole that's... body feels better for those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I get out of bed in the morning, I take my first step. It feels like someone's jab. Someone had taken a Bowie knife, heated it up to 1400 degrees, and then shanked it into my ankle. Yeah. So that's the thing is I don't, I can't stress enough how good, how important good footwear is. Yeah, definitely. For that, especially when you're at our stage. So, you know, we have no one else to blame. Our stage, near death. Yeah, we have no one to blame but ourselves for the situation we're in. But I also, I don't think people understand. I don't not blame McDonald's for having $5.20 pieces. Yeah. But damn it, I, McDonald's! Why is a triple cheeseburger got to be three bucks? Why did they have to release cheese? It's stuff with cheese. Um, yeah, and thank you for letting me know that because I didn't know that was a thing until I was about to eat it. Yeah, so I think people don't really truly realize that some stuff that they wouldn't even think about really sucks, and. Again, I'm not no. blaming anyone or And that's that's actually the hardest part about being overweight to me is not like it's it's describing to people without coming off feeling like a butthole. Exactly. Because it's like, yes, it's my fault. I realize that. I'm the only person who's in charge of how much I weigh and how much I eat and all that stuff and how much I exercise, all of that. But it's hard when some excuse me, when somebody's complaining you know that you're not doing something or you're not moving fast enough or whatever and i just am like listen it's not easy for yeah. me to do what you're asking me to do i'm doing it yeah but i it's hard for me to do this sometimes and you know you feel like a butthole for saying that but it's the truth yeah you know it's sad yeah. but it's the truth i mean exactly it's like for instance me sometimes if you want to like bend over and pick something up that feels horrible it's horrific and it's like people don't understand that and again i'm not saying oh what was me yeah, it's not, this is not a pity thing. yeah we get it's that just, it's a hundred percent us oh i don't know the truth yeah but i also sometimes wish i could just take oh you weigh 150 180 pounds here's i don't know 100, 200 pounds. Carry this for literally a couple hours. Yeah. I mean, and let in my me case, know. take a 150 pound person and give them a couple hundred pounds. Yeah. And throw it in a backpack and be like, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know what you think of that. And then I think people's attitudes would change a lot. And again, I'm not saying. Yeah, again, not a pity party. I'm just saying, like, if I'm trying to better myself, right? Like, I'm doing my best here, man. Yeah. I'm trying to walk or I might actually go to the gym and try and work out. You know, I love that you're trying to motivate me, but by saying.
that's a loud ass truck <laughs> trying but, to motivate me that was but by saying like hey come on push through it do this do that or like come on man it's just this it's not just that yeah like it's it's just hard to explain so you know i think maybe if you see somebody and they're at the McDonald's drive-thru that look like us and they're ordering enough meal to feed a family. And ordering two or three drinks to make up for it, make it look like they're ordering for a yeah, few people. Yeah, you can judge them. And we've been that person. Definitely. Especially, and you Especially when we've, as we've talked about before, when you order multiple drinks to make, to make it, it look, look like, like you're ordering yeah. food for your entire family. And then you go home and you throw the drinks in the garbage and you eat enough food for three people. But I also hope that people think about it for a second. You know, if you're 150 pounds, that's pretty much... Think what it would be like to do whatever you're doing carrying 200 pounds. Yeah. And use that as a a measurement for when you're doing something at the gym and somebody else is doing the same next to you. And I'm not saying anything about, oh, well, yeah, you know, it's not a pity party. It's just... People that are bigger, that are working on bettering themselves, that's where, I don't know. Now it sounds like a lot like I'm trying to be like, you should respect them and all this. And it's like, you should respect the fatties, okay? Yeah. You respect them. I mean, no. it, it's just, what it's it is, is have a little hard. bit, have, you, there's reasons to judge people and then there's reasons to have some kind of sympathy for people. Empathetic. So, so yes. As fat people, we can both say, we know it's our fault. Yes. We're not stupid. We understand how it happens, why it happens, and why it continues to happen. Yes. The problem is some type of mental thing. I don't yep. really know how to how to describe it specifically, but it's a mental thing where you just sort of, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's like I, you, know, you go to order your food and it's, a, it's like a, it's a mental block of some kind. I mean, um, we've talked about this before on the podcast, not this whole topic, but I've said before where sometimes I'll go through a drive through and I'll say my order without even thinking about it. It's just a habit. Yeah. You know, and I, again, I'm not trying to say, woe is me, woe is me. No, um, what I was uh, trying to get to is, you know, we understand how it happened. You don't have to tell us exactly. how it happened or why it happened. We know why it happened. Yeah. What you could do however is judge us when we need to be judged so yes pass judgment on me if i'm at mcdonald's ordering a 20 pizza triple cheeseburger a mcchicken a large fry and a soda yes definitely judge me but if i am just telling you like as a person to a person i'm sorry it's taking me a little bit longer to do this thing you know going from here to here because of how heavy i am just I'm not kidding. Yeah. It's not, I'm not, I'm not looking for pity. I'm not looking for anything other than just acknowledgement that it might take me an extra minute. Yeah. And if you have someone in your life that is a little bit bigger or bigger, um, or big, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to push people to be better. So if, if, you know, let's say you and I are together and I see you ordering that from McDonald's. I should say, hey, you know, you said you wanted to be on a diet. What's going on? How can I help? Saying, should you really be ordering that? I thought you were on a diet. Are you going to drop it again? I yeah. mean, it's there's, a, really there's ways helpful. to go about it. 
But, yeah, and we're, again, we're not on the whole um, fat pride movement or anything no, like that. Absolutely that's, not. That's nonsense. We are killing ourselves. We know that. Yes. Um, it's just a difficult thing to do. And I think I've said this before. I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to smoke like a pack and a half, almost two packs a day at one point. And I quit. I quit smoking cigarettes completely. Um, it was not an easy process. It was at the time I would definitely have said it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, honestly, I think food and eating healthier is harder. Yeah. Well, I think we have something to talk about perhaps at the beginning of the next episode. Yeah. This one went all over the place, man. Yeah. Well, we, we spent quite a bit of time on 3d printing, which was great. You know, it's, it's a big thing that I think a lot of more people should learn about. And it kind of took a 180 to health and food and all that and there stuff, were some pit but, stops in between you know maybe who knows maybe we can use this podcast we've said it before to stay <laughs> motivated but maybe you know we can use this to stay motivated and hopefully you know next week we can come and say hey you know i've lost x amount of pounds i've been feeling better and maybe that's a part of the podcast who knows yeah maybe i think everybody who's listening should check back in Maybe follow, subscribe, whatever it is platform you're on. Yep. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, audience, help us. <laughs> we appreciate all the support, both in our lives and for the podcast. Thank you. Peace out. Later. <laughs> he still hasn't stopped it. <laughs>